Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Venezuela President Maduro demand probe into debt of Venezuelan baby at sea by Trinidad and Tobago's Coast Guard. Guyana gives its EPA thousands to monitor billion-dollar oil operation. Latin American nations slam French auction of pre-Hispanic artifacts. U.S. lawmaker takes aim at Puerto Rico as crypto tax haven. Argentina Lita and Barbados Prime Minister agree on corporation. No to IMF. Thousands protest in Argentina against debt deal. And another gold award for the University of the West Indies. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean. Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, February 9th. We start a report today in Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago Newsday reports that two main political leaders in Venezuela are demanding a full investigation into the shooting death of a Venezuelan child by Trinidad and Tobago Coast Guard. The shooting occurred when Coast Guard officers tried to intercept a vessel carrying people suspected of being illegal immigrants from that country into Trinidad and Tobago waters on the weekend. In a statement issued on Monday afternoon, Venezuela's President Nicolas Maduro extended condolences to the relatives of the nine-month-old baby boy who died after being shot while in a boat with his mother and other people. The statement urged Trinidad and Tobago to carry out an exhaustive investigation to clarify the facts surrounding this fatal incident in which, unfortunately, a Venezuelan child lost his life. The statement added that Maduro has instructed the Venezuelan foreign ministry to activate diplomatic mechanisms in order to clarify the situation and establish the necessary binational protocols to consolidate cross-border security dynamics to preserve the good understanding between our countries. On Sunday night, the office of the prime minister of Trinidad and Tobago issued the following statement. I have just spoken to the Vice President of the Government of Venezuela, Delcy Rodriguez. I conveyed our deepest condolences to the family and the Venezuelan community in general in this moment of pain for the loss of the life of the little boy at sea during the security operations that involved the Trinidad and Tobago Coast Guard and the traffickers who were transporting illicit persons. The Trinidad and Tobago Coast Guard, in a statement on Sunday, claimed its officers were attempting to intercept a boat entering the country illegally on Saturday night. In doing so, the officers fired at the engine of the Venezuelan boat, claiming that they were doing so in self-defense, as the boat had attempted to ram them. The statement said the Coast Guard officers were not aware that civilians were on board. Crider News reports that when Esso Exploration and Production Guyana Limited, Exxon Mobil Guyana, first announced the discovery of commercial quantities of sweet light crude in the Cerebrook block in 2015 and began production or first oil in 2019, from then to now, Guyana's monitoring of the crude being extracted from the Cerebrook block has been largely dependent on the information provided to the local authorities, primarily the Environmental Protection Agency. 
According to the Minister with Responsibility for Parliamentary Affairs and Governance, Gail Texeria, this is a government agency responsible for monitoring of the operations. According to Crider News, the minister stated that this year, the Guyana administration is investing a measly few thousand dollars to monitor the production of U.S. billions in crude being extracted from Guyana's exclusive economic zone. Members of the National Assembly on Monday met in its Committee of Supply to consider and approve the expenditure identified under the Office of the President, for which the Guyana EPA would be receiving in excess of $100 million or 500,000 U.S. dollars to boost its capacity in this regards. With in excess of 10 billion barrels already discovered in a Strabo block alone thus far, Guyana's oil and gas section is essentially a U.S. multi-trillion dollar operation. The House was at that time considering a 1.5 billion U.S. dollar allocation for the Environmental Management and Compliance Department of the Office of the President when members were told that the EPA would be receiving 48 million or 240,000 U.S. dollars for training at the EPA. Minister Texaria, when asked about the allocation, informed the House that this money had to do with the training of the EPA staff for the remote real-time monitoring of the operation in Guyana's exclusive economic zone and other sectors falling under its remit. It was at this point that Minister Texaria informed the House of the 100 million, some 74.9 will be spent on digital monitoring, geographic information systems, remote monitoring systems, and dashboard and other equipment. She said that the EPA would also be using the money to purchase some scientific and laboratory equipment that would be needed by the EPA. Guyana currently produces some 120,000 barrels of cruel daily from Liza Destiny. Minister within the Office of the President and with Responsibility for Finance, Dr. Ashani Singh, in presenting the budget to the National Assembly on January 26, indicated that ongoing exploration activities have continued to yield positive results with 28 commercially viable oil discoveries to date in the Strabo block and an estimated recoverable resource of over 10 billion oil equivalent barrels, a mere six years after discovery. The Strabo block currently has three identified production areas, Liza 1, Liza 2, and Pariah. Production capacity is currently at 120,000 barrels per day, with the Liza Destiny in operation. The coming into operation of Liza Unity, according to Dr. Singh, early in 2022, will raise capacity to 340,000 barrels per day, and the deployment of Liza Prosperity in 2024 will further raise capacity to 560,000 barrels per day. HaitiNews.net via Voice of America reports that ambassadors from six Latin American countries on Tuesday denounced an upcoming auction of pre-Hispanic artifacts in France. The joint statement came a day after Mexico's president, Andres Manuel López Obrador, 
denounced the practice as immoral after a recent major auction. The Paris ambassadors of Ecuador, Guatemala, Mexico, Panama, Peru, and the Dominican Republic condemned in the strongest terms the sale of pre-Hispanic artifacts organized by auction houses in the coming days. In their joint statement, they call for the auctions to be halted. They denounce what they said was the continuation of practices linked to the illicit trade in cultural property, which damaged the heritage, history, and identity of our native peoples. The ambassadors of Colombia, Guatemala, Honduras, Mexico, and Peru made similar appeals last November. On Monday, Mexico's president called on France to legislate on the issue after the January 28th sale by the Millions Auction House of 30 pre-Hispanic Mexican artifacts, despite protests from Mexico City. In recent years, Mexico has been trying to recover artifacts in the hands of private collectors around the world, with only partial success. As well as calling for arts to be returned, Mexico has accused major European fashion houses of cultural appropriations for lifting native designs for their clothes. It is part of an ongoing debate over the ethics of cultural artifacts held by museums and private owners in former colonial powers and questions about how they were acquired in the first place. Decrypt reports that stories about crypto millionaires retreating to Puerto Rico to avoid paying taxes have become commonplace in recent years. On Tuesday, Brooklyn, New York lawmaker Nidia Velasquez complained that Puerto Rico has become a haven for rich crypto speculators from the U.S. mainland and asked a Treasury Department official if Congress could help go after crypto investors trying to use Puerto Rico as a tax shelter. Velasquez's comments came during the hearing of the House Financial Services Committee, which was examining the broader topics of stable coins. The congresswoman is originally from Puerto Rico and, like many who live in her New York City district, maintains strong ties with the island. According to the report, her remarks elicited a strong reaction on Twitter, where many applauded her desire to go after people they portrayed as wealthy and unwanted interlopers, while others pointed out that the law attracting millionaires to Puerto Rico doesn't favor only crypto holders, but those those looking for tax shelters in general. The law in question allows investors to claim no tax on capital gains, a huge potential benefit for Americans who live on the mainland and can face federal capital gains, rates as high as 37%. It's unclear if Velasquez's comments will have any impact on U.S. or Puerto Rico tax policy, especially as the focus on Tuesday's hearing did not relate to Puerto Rico. But it could serve to warn wealthy crypto investors that the tax benefit may not exist forever. The Associated Press reports that Puerto Rico's governor announced Monday that all public school teachers will receive a temporary $1,000 monthly salary, increased starting in July. The move comes just days after 70% of teachers left their classrooms and joined a protest to demand higher wages, better pensions, and improved working conditions. Another protest is scheduled for later this month. 
Victor Bonilla, president of Puerto Rico's Teachers Association, which represents some 25,000 teachers, said, for years, we've truly been waiting for this moment. The base salary of public school teachers in Puerto Rico is $1,750 a month. The Teachers Association and others had rejected a smaller wage increase recently approved by a federal control board overseeing Puerto Rico's finances and the U.S. territory's exit from bankruptcy. Governor Pedro Perlusi said he had been looking for alternatives after the board rejected his proposal to increase teachers' salaries by $1,000 a month. He added that the additional money will come from federal funds, specifically the Elementary and Secondary School Emergency Relief Fund. He said the use of those funds is temporary and will give his administration time to identify recurrent state funds to make the salary increase permanent. Barbados Today reports that Argentina's President Alberto Fernandez has ended a one-day working visit to Barbados after holding discussions with Prime Minister Mia Motley and leaders of the Organization of Eastern Caribbean States. Motley said the visit underscored the importance of deepening the bilateral relations between the two countries, while Fernandez, who arrived on Monday following visits to Russia and China, thanked Barbados and the Caribbean for the support given to his country as it negotiates an agreement with the International Monetary Fund. The two leaders spoke about the need to advance efforts to realign the international financial system to alleviate the problems of foreign debt in low- and middle-income countries, as well as strengthen the strategic relationship between Latin America and the Caribbean. Their talks also addressed the need for further cooperation to deal with the impact of climate change, particularly as it affects small island developing states, as well as the COVID-19 pandemic. Argentina recently donated 42,000 vaccines to several Caribbean countries. Motley and Fernandez also discussed the development of various cooperation projects that have already been implemented here in agriculture, education, the environment, Spanish language teaching, public health, and sports. Fernandez, who is also chairman of the Community of Latin America and Caribbean States, CELAC, spoke about the establishment of the CELAC Climate Adaptation and Comprehensive Disaster Response Fund, highlighting the ongoing collaboration between the White Helmets and the Barbados-based Caribbean Disaster Emergency Management Agency. In other related news, Rotter reports that thousands of Argentinians marched through the streets of Buenos Aires on Tuesday to protest against a likely deal with the International Monetary Fund, IMF, to revamp more than $40 billion of debt the country cannot pay back. The protesters paraded through the capital with banners saying no to paying the IMF and no to an IMF deal. The protest is a sign of rising tension in the South American nation over the tentative agreement struck late last month. Argentina and the IMF announced a breakthrough in talks in late January to revamp a failed 2018 loan, which would see debt payments pushed back but involve pledges to meet certain economic targets agreed with the lender. 
That agreement still needs details ironed out and approval from both Argentina's Congress and the IMF board. IMF Chief Cristalina Georgieva said last week that while an agreement had been reached in principle with Argentina on the new standby loan, hard work still lay ahead. The transcultural program integrating Cuba, the Caribbean, and the European Union through culture and creativity, implemented by the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization and funded by the European Union, is receiving scholarship applications for the online courses on cultural entrepreneurship at the University of the West Indies Open Campus. This call covers fee access to 10 management courses for 300 young people from the Caribbean with expertise in the cultural and creative industries to allow them to develop their skills and business projects. These workshops will last for six weeks and use a B-learning methodology that combines traditional teaching with online tools. The offers include small business management, effective management and leadership, effective business communication, project management, finance for non-financial managers, entrepreneurship and new venture creation, financial monitoring and evaluation, sales and marketing management, brand management and grant proposal writing, all courses will be taught in English by the University of the West Indies Open Campus facilitators with interpretations into Spanish and French. The call will remain open until February 28th for young creators and cultural professionals between ages 18 and 35 from Antigua and Barbuda, the Bahamas, Barbados, Belize, Cuba, Dominica, Grenada, Guyana, Haiti, Jamaica, Montserrat, Republic of the Dominican Republic, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Suriname and Trinidad and Tobago. And finally, the University of the West Indies has won another Gold International Award for branding and marketing, positioning the university's reputation and brand strategy in the international digital space is a significant achievement that speaks to its effectiveness, said Vice Chancellor Professor Sir Hilary Beckles in reaction to the announcement of the latest global accolade for the university's recent redesign of its central website, www.uwi.edu. It was earned in the 15th Annual AVA Digital Awards, administered and judged by the Association of Marketing and Communications Professionals. The University of the West Indies brand is named on the 2022 winners list among global brand heavyweights like Virgin, Dell, DHL, AT&T, BET Network, and Algeries Media Network, to name a few. The annual AVA Digital Awards, administered and judged by the Association of Marketing and Communication Professionals, is an international competition that recognizes excellence by creative professionals responsible for the planning, concept, direction, design, and production of digital communication. Work ranges from digital campaigns to audio and video production, to website development, to social media engagement, to mobile marketing. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, February 9th. I'm Keisha Wallace. 
Thanking you for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news. Be sure to spread the word to family, friends, and associates. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.